So I want to talk to you for a few moments about a, a few bits and pieces, stir it up, but I want you to walk out of here having known and experienced the power of God in your life, yeah. right? We need the power of God. Uh, uh, religion is not just a, a moral adherence right. to some kind of code that God lays down. It's God living in you, God being on you, God helping you, God walking with you, amen, through every moment of the day. Which Stuart, your introduction was, wow. I was, I was done there. I could have just worshipped for two hours and be done with it. But let's look at some scripture. And here's what I felt for this morning to share with you. This scripture from Hebrews 12, verse, verse 1. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There is a race marked out for you. I had a friend who was preaching. And he was preaching in an auditorium where there was a, a lower area. And then there was a balcony halfway back. But it kind of came above the crowd, rather like some of the guys there are experiencing right now. Except for that's not a, a normal balcony, is it? It's, it's all enclosed. But he was preaching. And there must have been six, 700 people there preaching away. And he noticed a man on the front row of the balcony. And he started out by leaning and putting his chin on the balcony, listening to the sermon. And then slowly his head tilted. And then slowly his head went forward. And then he fell asleep. And his head went further and further forward until his head was leaning over the balcony. And this guy just continued to preach without mentioning anything. And then the man's wig fell off. And it fell off into the lap of a teenage girl. And my friend continued to preach without distraction. And the teenage girl didn't notice at first, but five minutes later, she looked down, saw a wig, saw a bald head in front of her, so picked it up and slapped it on the bald head. <laughs> True story. <laughs> I wonder if sometimes we think God's purpose is, a, oh, what have I found? What will I do with that? There you go, do that. No, you were born for a purpose. Yeah. Your race was marked out before you were born. God had a purpose in mind and then gave birth to you at this point in history to have influence in the world. Yeah. Tell the person next to you, you're not a mistake. Go to the other side and say, what a mistake to make. What's that from? I can't even remember. Hello, hello. Good job Lamia isn't here, isn't it? You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You weren't a surprise, even though mum and dad might say you were. <laughs> they should have known better. Seven children on the good Catholics, anyway. You're not a mistake. You were in the mind of God before the world was created. And God says, so here's what you're going to need to do. Run with perseverance. That means life is sometimes going to be difficult and it's hard, but run with perseverance, not a random race. See, the problem with destiny isn't necessarily that it's hard. It's just that there's lots of easier options to choose. There's easier things than being a Christian, living for God, fulfilling your destiny, facing those mountains and those challenges and those difficulties. There's going to be easier paths to take. You can become dull, boring, a nine-to-fiver, miserable. Who knows that misery is an easy path? It isn't fun. But to pick the path and walk it that God's put before you is going to take perseverance. There's lots of other ways to live easier lives. And so you have to live and run the race marked out for you and I have to run the race marked out for me. Personally, to begin with, 
But then what about us as a, as a house, as a ooh, tribe, I like that word. Come on, what about us as a tribe? What's the race marked out for us? So what I might say for us as a tribe works for you as a person. You, you, some of us are going to have very private individual dreams, and that's without exception in the room. But then we've got a dream that we were born for together. Did you know most of you in this room didn't choose Revive? God put you here. So, so everyone in the room, myself included, I didn't choose to come and I don't choose to go. Everybody turned to the person and you say, oh dear. So, so I never realized that. I never, I never realized it was a cult. You know? <laughs> no, but what are, you know, if we're following the purpose of God, we go where God sends us. And who knows, that's in good times and bad. And you're going to have personal good times and personal hard times. And we're going to have corporate easy times and corporate difficult times. And I actually believe that many of us, I think it's the next picture I put up, but we'll see. Many of us are part way through something. Who's not quite there? <laughs> the rest of you are liars. No, who's, not, who's not quite there? And you're a finger, listen, I feel for many of us, not with everything, because you go through breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough in life. You break through into different seasons. But the breaking through is making a man or a woman of God out of you. And so to turn around when you're a fingernail away from breakthrough, in fact, it's usually just before breakthrough that the pressure is hardest. And you just want to go, I give up. Whether it's family, whether it's career divinely in God, or whether it's a uh, a ministry function within church or whatever the dreams hit so many things but I believe there's many people and God's saying I'm trying to make a man or a woman of God out of you look at the guy on the bottom here's my word of the Lord for you are you ready for it don't sulk <laughs> stop sulking about how long it takes because sulking is an awful way to wait I went to Scotland once with my brother we had wall-to-wall -wall sunshine yes there was that one week Circa 1997, I think. You know, somewhere in that year. It was wall-to-wall -wall sunshine for five days. And listen, Scottish people, no midges. Yeah, there was that one week with, when the sun came out and there was no midges. Bob didn't believe me. And me and my brother and, and a friend of his, we got on a train at Fort William and we headed out into the Highlands. And the train just stops at random concrete platforms on the way through the highlands. And walkers got off, and there was, you know, maybe five of us got off in the middle of nowhere. And then we had a, a 15-kilometer hike to where we were going to make base camp for these five days that we were away in the highlands. Now, 15Ks for my brother is nothing. Put your hand up if 15Ks to anyone in this room is nothing. Just, just wave your hand at me. Yeah, mum, all right. <laughs> I didn't say there's a coffee shop every kilometer, <laughs> you know. There could be, there could be. So we did our 15Ks to base camp, and then it was so hot, we decided we're going to do our walks in the late evening. Well, kind of six till midnight, one in the morning, because it was light and it was warm. It was too hot to walk up the mountains in the day, so we were walking through the evenings. So we did 15Ks. Now, my brother and his friend are into the outdoors. They're the kind of people that will mountain bike up a mountain, then mountain bike down it. They're the kind of people that will climb a mountain, then ski down it. I'm the kind of person that needs a chairlift <laughs> all the way up and usually half the way down. So they're, they're super fit. Whereas I'm a few steps behind them, 
right, going on this journey. And we get to base camp, and I'm thinking, that was a good, big walk. And we set up our tents and, you know, have our beans and everything else that you do. And, and then they said, right, should we go for our evening walk? And I'm like, I thought that was the, <laughs> that was the evening walk. Oh, dear. And... Uh, so, we're, uh, so we, we, they, they brought out the ordnance survey map, and I look at all these blurred lines, and we're going to go around here and here. We're, we're on the second highest mountain in Scotland, looking across to Ben Nevis, and we're going to go around here, and we reckon, we reckon that's about another 15 k's. Okay. All right, so, you know, they're in charge, and I'm full of beans by this point. <laughs> so I, I best not stand still then. So, so we headed off. And we headed up the mountain and we got to the top of Ben Nevis. I can't remember when it was really, let's say 10 at night. And we're looking across, not Ben Nevis, the next one from it, looking across to Ben Nevis. And we're there, wonderful, great, beautiful sun and uh, beautiful night sky, I mean, and um, what they call the northern lights. Yeah, didn't see them. But anyway, they could have been there, couldn't they? <laughs> Would have been a great story, wouldn't it? So then they're like, so we're going to go around here and around it. So, so we carry on. And then, listen, about 22 kilometers later, we're still walking. It's about one in the morning, and my brother is super fit. His friend, super fit and skinny as a beanpole. Me at the back, I was like the hobbit, the miserable hobbit. <laughs> at the back, I'm blowing, scrubbing. About 28 kilometers in, on top of the 15 k's to walk in, it's now well into the night, and we're still walking, and they're shouting back to me, sorry, we got our sums a bit wrong. About two in the morning, I sat down and I said, I'm not going another step further. I've had enough. Do you ever get in one of those bad moods that now you're enjoying it? <laughs> if Gabriel turned up, said repent, you said, come on, then, you know, you, know, you, were, you were in a proper bad, I was in a, a proper bad mood. And I sat down and I said, I'm not going another step further. They carried on walking. <laughs> and I sat there like this. And about four and a half minutes in, I thought, my bum's getting cold. <laughs> this isn't really getting me anywhere. It took me all of six minutes to realize you can't just stop. Part way through. You can't go, I've had enough. I'm going to sit and sulk. It doesn't get you anywhere just gives you a cold bum. <laughs> and to make it worse, everyone else is going to carry on walking. They'll give you the odd shout, but go, well, come on then. Because they, they've probably done it, you know, a million times themselves. There's no point stopping. You just got to keep walking till you get through. You got to keep digging till you get through. There's no point having a sulk. What are you going to do? Go back. It's like the children of Israel out in the wilderness, following God's presence through the wilderness. They got to the human point, and you've got to realize we all have this, where they actually decided that slavery that was predictable was more enjoyable than wandering through the desert with the presence of God. There's something in us that says, I'd rather go back to boredom than live with never quite getting there. But here's what we need to do. We need to remind ourselves, as we've heard already today, that God is faithful and he doesn't give us promises to tease us. He doesn't give us promises to torment us. He gives us promises to lead us into fulfillment. And after the night will come the day. After sorrow will come dancing and laughter. My message this morning is keep going, run with Percy. 
whoever he is, run with perseverance. The race marked out for you. Do you know the race marks? If you don't, you never quite know where you're getting anyway. As some people say, you know, before climbing the ladder, make sure it's up against the right wall. Know what you're called to do. Because you only got to climb back. Did you like that one? I didn't know it was an Uber. Anyway, you got to climb back down again. <laughs> Paul likes it too. Oh, and no, there's a bit of a spiritual thing going on here. The angel's walking that way. Careful. Careful's going to get you. Do you know your personal calling? Do you know the corporate calling in God? Some of our dreams, our statements as a church. The first three are a bit dreamy, inspiring global revival. You know, wherever I go, I hear of prisoners gathered around radio sets listening to our, uh, our radio program, being transformed, being touched. I, I, I meet people that have got out of wheelchairs after listening to the radio program and responding to what God says to do. I meet people that say, I was bedbound for nine years, seven years, two years, and you were my church, and you gave me hope, and you put me back online. You revived my life. We're going into countries we know nothing about and God is touching lives. We're also, uh, last year, probably visited more than a, a dozen nations, saw hundreds upon hundreds of people saved across different countries and across youth clubs and services in this region. There's something on us as a tribe to bring lives alive in Christ. You have an authority from God to bring your workplace alive, to bring places, towns, cities, villages, streets alive by the power of God that rests on you. It's who we are, inspiring God global revival, transforming local communities, raising extraordinary generations. Do you know that we inspire and invest into over 2,000 children's lives every single week? Lives are being transformed by the stuff that we're called to do. It's who we are. That's the race marked out. Some practical goals there, and then we're going to dive into, into teaching, but I wanted to just slip these in while I'm going through it. We're on a, we're on a, um, a trajectory to go to 20 locations by 2020. We're currently five with some stuff going on in the six. We're to be in 20 locations by 2020. And in fact, we're making all the practical moves to do that. It's being announced in our Ghoul campus today that Steve Green is becoming the leader of the Ghoul campus. And Jonathan and Lamia are gonna head up a new pioneering team to begin to establish new locations around the region. So we expect, and we want to see many of you involved in that. Let's go change villages, market towns, regions. Let's start with our region, but who knows where God will lead us. Anybody feel it? Honolulu. Come on, say it with me. Get those tongues going. And so to do all of that, we've got Revive Academy of Leadership and the Arts, where we're, there's about 150 people in various levels of training right now in order to see 20 locations coming alive with the power and the presence of God. Some of you are in campus leader training. Some of you are in youth leader training. Some of you are in kids leader training. But we want to see media training. We want to see pastoral training. There's so many areas that we want to see revived and brought to life. Why? We're not here to sit and have a nice time. We're here to go into all the world and take what God's given us. Amen. And you know, we're building our new headquarters in Kingswood. And at the moment, a lot of focused ministry into future generations. In fact, Emily this week started, how many more hours have we got on now a week? 15 more hours a week to invest into our kids because there's something of the spirit of God on that young woman. And we just wanted to release her to raise an extraordinary generation. There are so many things going on, but I don't want to spend heaps on lots of little practical announcements, so there's just some headlines. But we are being highly practical on unfolding 
this vision wherever God leads us to go. Amen? But let me talk to you um, spiritually. Bring some teaching. Let's read the full bit. I I like to use Bible. Is that all right? It's... uh, Therefore, now, the reason that the therefore is there is because we've just done Hebrews 11 and it's full of all the heroes of faith, right? These incredible people that live by faith. Everybody say, by faith. Listen, let me tell you how you're going to fulfill your destiny. Are you listening really carefully? It doesn't say by worry. Thank you. I think a lot more people should have laughed than that. Because if you've got good humor about yourself, let me, let me put it another way. It doesn't say by anxiety. It doesn't say by misery. It doesn't say by getting halfway and sulking. If you didn't need faith, it wouldn't go on about it all the time. You're going to have to go, I've got nothing to go on but faith. And that's an internal posture that you choose. I'm gonna, instead of spending all my emotional energy worrying, I'm going to spend it trusting. And how do you do that? I refuse to focus. Listen, focus is either going to give you energy or sap your energy, but your focus is your choice, right? Faith is something that we choose to walk in. And so talking about all these people that did it by faith, right? And even some that didn't reach everything that they hoped to reach, but they still were going to die pointing in the right direction because they knew life isn't about these 70, 80, 90 years we get on earth. There's an eternity to live, right? Get that, get it in your belly. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, they're watching you, they're cheering you on. Let us shake off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary. Everybody say, grow weary. weary. Tell the person next to you, don't grow weary. Why? Because sometimes you're gonna. Gonna. We don't say gonna enough, do we? Sometimes we're going to. Somebody was saying to me earlier, our actions are all changing now. We're city of culture. Have you noticed? <laughs> I, I don't know whether to believe them yet, because I, I haven't noticed it. But anyway, there you go. Several key words there. Four things to look at. Four things to do. Here's four things to do as you start this year. First one, shake off everything that hinders. Shake. Everybody say shake. Shake. Shake off the stuff that hinders. React. Who knows that you can get very dull. Life can come at you like a duvet. Or especially over Christmas time, right? When that Christmas pudding is... And all the blood's going down there. and you're like, The rest of you is turning into Mr. Soft, right? Mr. You can get very dull. Here's what you need to do, Christian, because you're responsible. Don't be led by your feelings. You're responsible to get your feelings under control. Feelings are just attachments to thoughts. What you focus on is what's giving you energy or sapping it. It's a choice of yours. And here's what you need to do when the duvet comes. This is just, oh, it should all be just, oh. Here's what you need to do. Are you ready? 
something. Shake. Don't lie there going, oh, darling. I think we should rest more, the Lord is saying. <laughs> React. I don't want to live a dull life. I don't want to get to the point in my life where I am actually running out of energy and discover I never used the energy I could have had. Come on. Come on. I meet 24-year-olds. I'm tired. Slap them. See, that's the stuff that hinders. You think you're tired, then you have kids. And then you think destiny's over. Money talks, it says goodbye. <laughs> You're exhausted, you can't think of, you can't think straight, let alone think. Shake it off and say, no, God has called me to run a race that's marked out. It's going to take perseverance. Shake it off. Yeah. I remember going for one of my early morning prayer walks and I, I turned a corner. It was probably about six in the morning. There was nobody there. And then running around the corner came these two Rottweilers. They got loose from their garden. And they were, it was like the movie, they were slavering around. And they were, I'm not, I'm not into dogs, I'm not into anything, to be honest. Mice would scare me, let alone two Rottweilers. <laughs> so I had a choice at that point, run, but I, I knew, thankfully, I was quick enough in my mind to know, you're not going to outrun them. So I reacted. Who do you think you are? <laughs> Get out of it! Get back to where you come from. I shouted, I ranted, I raved. Who do you think you are? Do you think you're a big tough dog? Get out of it. React. Shake it off. Who do you think you are, laziness? Who do you think you are, depression? Stop making your ailment your identity. Tell you how that happens. You start by, because as people try to give you advice, you become defensive of your state. And then once you practice that for a few months, it then becomes your identity. I can't because I'm. Beware. Shake it off. It might not be sin, but it's going to hinder. Shake it off. React. Say, no. I'm not saying do things at the pace of your friends because they just want you to get on with it and get better. But do things. Have a plan. Do not give in. Whatever you're going through, pick an up moment and make a plan. Give yourself someone that's going to go, right, I will, this is not my state. It's not who God made me to be. He that is in me is greater than he that's in the world. He's greater than any diagnosis. He's greater than what people think of me. He's greater than rejection of others. He that is in me is greater. And I've got to run the race marked out for me. Listen, and if your race moves away from someone else's race, don't spend your life sulking about broken relationships. You cannot force people to run with you. In fact, if we got better at endings, maybe there'd be a lot less conflict in the world. If we just said, hey, that was a great season, let's move on to our next thing. Instead of having a sulk about it, shake off everything that hinders. I remember once being in Sicily Airport. Do you remember Sicily Airport, Vic? And there was this crowd of like 400 Italians and Spanish and Portuguese and Germans all trying to crowd through this one security point. And of course, we were probably the only two Brits. Could they queue? <laughs> they couldn't queue to save their life. It was just, it was, they don't know how to queue, do they, Jeremy? 
We need, that's why God gave missions, so that we could teach the world to queue. <laughs> that's what we're here to do, to teach the world to queue properly. And so we rammed in, and it was getting more and more jostly. And, and for some of us, our, our flight was going very soon, so it was getting more and more angsty and more and more. And, and then this big, and I mean big, thankfully not broad, but very, very tall German guy pushed Vicky. I'm a bit of a pacifist, really. But he touched my wife. Oi, you! Don't you touch my wife! I saw him go scared. Honestly, he was twice my height, and he backed off and looked really scared. Our problem is not that we get angry. We don't get angry enough. We need to shake off the dullness. Shake. Don't Listen, it'll lift when you're in your 70s and you go, I wasted 30 years living 9 to 5. I wasted 30 years on an identity that wasn't me. I wasted 30 years in lethargy and boredom. I never shouted at myself and slapped my own face and told me to shake up and wake up and run the race that he marked out for me. Run, run, run while he gives you energy. Run. Shake off everything that hinders. The second one, run with perseverance. It's going to take perseverance to keep running in the things of God. Are you with me? See, here's the thing. Notice a pattern from Scripture, right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. The whole story is about having children. Abraham's wife, barren. Isaac's wife, barren. Jacob's wife, barren. It's like God's tormenting them. But he's not. Work with me. He's giving them promises that can't be fulfilled, naturally speaking. And we need to realize, this is why we need to run with perseverance. The race he's marked for you is going to glorify his power, not your ability. And he's going to make Christ in you as you go along. But that means at times you're going to get weary and desperate and you're going to sit down and go, I just cannot do it, Captain. You're going to say, I can't do it. I don't have the power. This isn't my ability. We don't have the money. We don't have the people. It's not in me. Why has he put this thing in me that just seems to torment me? The sooner we realize that, the better. That God actually calls fruitfulness from the most barren places. Your barrenness is your qualification for divine destiny. Stop being embarrassed by it. Stop sulking about it. Everyone in some way has a barrenness that only God can fulfill. And so he says to Abraham, father of many nations, do you know how old I am? Do you know how old she is? Do you know the last time we... Anyway. And then through the generation, it was all about kids. Next, next major matriarch, barren. Next major matriarch, barren. Samson's mother, barren. Samuel's mother, barren. John the Baptist's mother, barren. Whenever it's about kids, he, he goes to a barren land. So that in some prophetic way, we have to say, let the desert and the parched land be glad. I couldn't do it. I didn't have the power. Stop being discouraged about that. Your barrenness is your qualification. 
your desert land inside. The fact that you're called to bring people to life and at times you feel so dead is because you're going to learn how to find life in the desert. You're going to dig out a well and find God and then feed it to others. And they'll say, look what God did. So run with perseverance because you're going to run through barren times when you're going to go, only God can do it. My, my secret is this. Stop looking at yourself for the ability. See, the danger of, of, of a lot of modern thinking, a, a lot of it's good and modern science and psychology, is that destiny is, is just made up of our gifts and our abilities and what we like and what makes our pulse raise a little. Actually, the Bible doesn't have that too much. It's there and it's a good general rule for a lot of basic things in life. But I, I always think if God's really in it, there's going to be something that's impossible. And even at some point in your life, you're going to say to God, like Jesus, even Jesus did, if there's any other way, could you do it some other way? Or could you send someone else, like Moses said? Why? Because he calls the desert land and says, right, it's you. But, but, but really? Yeah, it's you. So you're going to have to run with perseverance this year. Amen? That's how we get into our destiny. The third phrase, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Because we're barren, there's one great way God calls us to fix our eyes on him. Because I, I think our issue often is, any, anybody relate to this, we overthink. We overthink and underthink. We're just too in our heads about it all, trying to m m maneuver it and scheme it. Because... We think maybe it is by scheming and by worrying and by anxiety and by stress that it's accomplished, not by faith. But actually, we've got to trust him. And how we do that, how we get our eyes fixed on him is, is he says things like, sing, O barren woman. Come on. No, no, I'm trying to work it out. I'm trying to get my five-year plan. You know, just screw it up, put it in the bin. Sing. Yeah, sing a bit more. Well, no, Lord, don't call me Lord. Call me Abba, Daddy, Father. No, 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 no. This is, we interact with God like he's the boss at work, like he's some kind of divine manager. And we've got to present a good five-point plan about how we're going to do this thing for him that he's given us to do. I've got my remit, I've got my measurables, now I'll go and do it. No, he's not saying that. He's saying, walk with me and let's sing a bit more, yes. shall we? Shall we dance a bit more? Shall we enjoy this? Can you imagine? The divine, holy creator of the universe is saying to you, lighten up. Sing, oh barren woman. We, we, we've been skiing recently and, and, uh, and Vicky, I, 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 I've been on a few more ski trips than my beautiful, incredible wife. So I go on some slopes that she doesn't, should we say, appreciate. You know, she's not thankful, she's not singing out to me what a wonderful husband you are as we career down these slopes. And so we, we headed down this one particular bit the other week and and. And, and I, I scooch down and then I look back and there's Vicky halfway up this steep icy slope. And she's, she's shouting at me from the side, I can't do it. And I'm like, but darling. <laughs> love, love, love. I, I, I really think you can. I think you've done worse. You lied. I, mean, I think you've done psychology. I think you've done work. You can, you can do I can't do it. Anyway, she, she ends up scooching down the slope. Somehow, several days later, we're wondering where to ski next. 
And this one particular one that she really struggled on said, I can't do it. I had to take her skis off a few times. She said, I really want to really do that one, but I, I really want to get to where that goes, but I don't want to do the run part of it. Anyway, then she injured herself. You know, actually, we're quite good when we're injured sometimes. Why? Because we stop overthinking, and we just go, I'm going to blooming well get on with it. So she got to the top of this slope, and now she wasn't, oh, can I do it? She was like, I'll have you for breakfast. <laughs> and we learned a little secret. It works for skiing, and it works for life. Are you ready? It's this, sing and keep moving. Sing distracts you from overthinking every move. Am I going to fall? Am I going to fall over? What if it doesn't work? Have I got the skills? Oh, it's a bit steep. You are magnifying the problems of, of our own inadequacy or the difficulty of the situation. But singing, so we were going down this, oh, come all ye faithful. We were the only guy, all these French dudes around the slope, what are these Brits doing? Joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye Oh, come ye. And we're singing our way down these. And suddenly she could do everything she couldn't do. That was a that was a, a blue slope. Then near the end of the day, she's good and angry, and she's like singing, Oh, come, let us adore him. And we're going down these slopes. And then I lead her to a point and I don't I said, I'm really sorry, Vic. This is a red slope. This is a really hard slope now. And it's it's all ice and it's really steep. And there's loads of people trying to get down this slope. And in fact, the chairlift just above stopped for some reason. Probably somebody fell off at the top of the bottom. So they were stopped. Now we had an audience looking at us. So she said, oh, come let us. Then she'd have a little pause and they'd shout from the chairlift, go on then, like a great cloud of witnesses. Go on, you could do it. Oh, come let us. Listen, a trick in life. Stop thinking about it all the time. Sing and keep moving. Just keep singing, keep worshipping, keep lifting up your voice. Why? That's how you fix your eyes on Jesus. Lighten up, get that worship tape, crank it up loud. Tape, CD, download, whatever it is that you use. Drive to work and sing to God. Fill your house with praise. Stop overthinking and begin to sing. Maybe in our modern society we undervalue singing. It's not sophisticated enough. Listen, sing. In King David, we have the picture of a worshipping king. Worship. And the last phrase, consider him who endured. Listen, you're going to have to endure stuff to come out the other side like Christ. I spoke about this the other week, and in fact, if the band could get into place while I'm talking, it would really help me because time is moving on. have to decide which bit of it I'm going to do. Okay, listen. In order for God to make us like Christ, it says Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered. We're going to go through things. And here's the thing about destiny. We've got to shake. We've got to run. We've got to fix. But here's the thing to do as well. Consider. See how Jesus lived. He went through circumstances that shaped him, and you will too. So I want you to remember as you go and you look at your life this week, consider that it was suffering that brought Christ to perfection. 
and it is. I wish it was some other trendier way I could say it to you. Some, I wish I could just give you a nice message, but listen, we go through stuff, long walks when we're going to want to sulk, chipping away at the rock face and we want to give up. Consider how Jesus did it. I want you to point to some circumstances in your life and go, you are making me like Christ. Stop complaining about it and start just going, you're there to make me like Christ. Point to that leader who won't quite give you the recognition you want, that manager who's, who's making life a little difficult for you and put on the eyes, consider that maybe God's in it and go, right, you're going to make me like Christ. I'm going to see this differently. I'm going to get through and I'm going to become like Christ. Every one of us in this room is going to go through restriction and difficulty. But listen, it's going to make you like Christ. Anybody got stuff going on in their lives? It's going to make you like Jesus. And there's going to be seasons. Let me read this one to you. Oh, look at that. Oh, I love Jesus. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus. Here's a promise for your fridge magnet. Are you ready? After you've suffered a little while. Everybody says suffered. Now admit it, we don't like that word, do we? You know, go... Can anyone spot, if I carried on with the chapter, you'd see the word discipline, how he disciplines his son. Can you notice the connection between the word discipline and disciple? If you're a disciple, you're going to experience discipline. That means restriction. That means everything's not always going to go hunky-dory. Why? This is what he does. He pulls Christ out of you through that. Until you know how to honor leadership, he's going to be pulling Christ out of you by giving you people for you to object to. Oh, boy. Like he's going to pull Christ out of you. After you've suffered. Now, there's, there's a couple of better words in that verse. A little while. Everybody say a little while. A little while. Hey, it's held in God's hands. There are seasons. I want you to catch this. There are seasons of suffering that make you who you should be in Christ. He himself will restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. A little while. You've got to get through this. Why? You're building those muscles as you go. You're becoming like Christ as you go. We're concentrating on this. But God says, as you fight through this, I'm going to make you mighty. As you fight through this, you're going to discover me. As you fight through this, we're going to build a prayer life. As you fight through this, you're going to get to know your Heavenly Father. If you had nothing to fight through, you would never become strong in Christ. So understand there's things you are facing that you have to point to and say, you are going to make me mighty. I'm not sulking anymore. I'm magnifying God over you. You're going to make me mighty in God. To the pulling down of strongholds. Just go quiet for a minute, guys. Now listen. Everything we're saying is about running with perseverance. I want us to do something as we go out of here today, and I want you, the power of God to stir in your heart, okay? We need to shake, we need to run, we need to fix, we need to consider. How are we gonna run in God? One little thing. There's a verse in the story of Elijah. It says, the power of God came on him, and he ran and outran the chariot.